podcast we have got lee here lee say what's up what's up guys how's everyone doing thanks for listening and tuning in today uh we got one of our short weekday episodes going on here we'll try and keep it around 30 minutes i think uh usually we go a little bit over but we'll just talk faster or something (laughs) but anyways today i think uh you know lee Lee and i kind of just asked each other today what's been on our minds you know so i think the what came to my mind was uh what's going on in india so kind of wanted to discuss that a little bit and um yeah see what you know the audience's thoughts are on it if you have any commentary or whatever let us know at dybpodcast at gmail.com is that correct that's correct i'm still just getting spam and like twitter notifications so uh shoot us shoot us a thought sweet all right well let's jump into it um i think the reason this has kind of been on my mind is there's been protests in India. Obviously, India is pretty big. I'm not sure exactly where. I think, you know, I don't know if it's like Kashmir or where it's going on exactly. There's a lot of unrest going on right now. And uh, as everyone knows, India is, I guess, the second largest population. Or is it the first at this point? It's first I still think China's winning, but... I think China's a little bigger. But they're, you know, India's huge. Huge population. So you can imagine they got a lot of, you know... I mean, I guess it's, you know, they're, they've got a big labor force over there and everything. Um, so, you know, I, I think what's uh, what's going on right now is mostly a farmer's protest. And last time I checked, the numbers are 250,000 people protesting. And uh, to be clear, I don't think that's just farmers. I think there's also financial people, telecommunication people. There's lots of people that are protesting. But um, what seems to be the main focus right now actually is the agriculture and, and farm uh, I guess industry out there. Um, so 250,000 people, I mean, that's huge, dude. That's, that's immense. That's a lot of people. And, and, um, it's, or maybe, no, 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 you know, actually, I think it's 250 million. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Cause I remember it blew my mind way more than 250,000. Um, I'm going to go with that number cause I, I'm pretty sure it's 250. Yeah. Cause million I remember when you were telling me about this, you were like, yeah, that's like almost our entire country's population. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why when I said 250,000, I was like, that's not right. Okay. So 250 million people, this is like the largest protest anyone has ever seen ever. And so basically like I, a lot of it stems from the farm industry and, and rightfully so, because what's going on is, is I guess there's a there's heavy regulation on the agriculture and it was stuff that I, apparently, I guess, was supposed to like help farmers, but it, it's it's hurting them right now. And uh, and you know, there's a lot of again, I think, you know, Western businesses involved uh, that have their interest. Of course, it's always the narrative. Um, and essentially, you know, we, I think uh, there's been regulations on what crops they can use. It's kind of like that whole Monsanto thing. You know what I mean? Where um, you know. They have certain seeds that they can use to put in the field and grow. And so they've been basically these farmers have been restricted to like corporate control of um, of agriculture. Yeah. So they got to plant what they tell them to plant. It kind of sucks. 
Well, and it's even deeper than that. I mean, I, you know, there's there's pesticides, for instance, that'll be engineered by that same corporation that will kill every plant around it, except for, for instance, that plant's genome that they uh, are selling to these farmers. So it's even it's even deeper than that. And then it's like GMO and all that stuff that in you know you could argue for it or against it, but at the end of the day, you know, um, I, I don't know. It's constraining them and it's making it harder for these farmers. And also, I think you know their wages are way down, which is another reason I think uh, there's more than just the agricultural industry involved. Is I think a lot of the labor force is kind of rising up and protesting and showing them like you know we want more money, um, we're not getting paid enough, and uh, and yeah. So I, I don't know. So kind of to sum up what what's what led up to the, this big upheaval, especially in the agricultural industry, is my buddy actually today sent me this thing on Instagram, and um, the caption is more important than the picture, so I kind of wanted to read it. Uh, just bear with me on this. It says, uh, the green revolution in Punjab, which had devastated outcomes of farmers, had been planned as early as 1952. After China had become a communist state, the United States became concerned that India would soon follow. Under the guise of a program known as Food for Peace, the United States opened a new foreign market for the surplus crops, where food deficit countries could, uh, could use their own national currencies to buy surplus American grains. The Ford Foundation soon became the American government's proxy agent for uh, ushering in this counter-revolutionary food grain revolution. Followed by the Food for Peace program, the U.S., in partnership with Indian government, exported this project to Punjab. This project, infamously known as the Green Revolution, targeted peasants and farmers uh, who they worried would rebel and start a communist revolution in India. The Green Revolution and its U.S. agronomists recommended selective and intensive industrialist approaches to increase crop yields in India and banded community development programs, which led to the Intensive Agricultural Development Program, IADP, in 1960 to 1961. The IADP aimed to implement genetically modified rice and wheat seeds in the area with increased irrigation and new fertilizers. The Green Revolution was short-sighted. It sought to increase crop yield in the short term without considering the long-term consequences. Consequences were that indigenous seeds were not able to handle chemical-intensive fertilizers. Thus, new seeds were manufactured. Further, farmers were forced to abandon centuries of farming knowledge in favor of capitalistic profit-driven ideals. The Green Revolution also exploited farmers and made them dependent on harmful fertilizers, GMO seeds, monocropping increasing in water use, and monocropping. Uh, today, the uh, cumulative impact of these policies has been alarming rates of cancer, debt, and suicide. Uh, there have also been irreparable damage to the environment and land. So, you know, um, I think that kind of sums it up. I know that was a little wordy, but that said it best. Um, it's, it's, again, you know, the whole idea of another force coming in saying, you know, we've got the solution to a problem that may not even as bad, be as bad as what they were saying in the first place. They get in bed with politicians abroad, and then they they share the same interests. So, uh, you know, then they, they push their agenda. Um, I think it's been seen through, and and that is uh, essentially why there's this this big striking going on. And there's a super uh, key part that you read is that they failed to think of long-term consequences. And that is something that plagues everything nowadays. I, yeah, um I, and yeah, it, it really does. And I would argue it's it's like hyper focused on short term results in Western culture. That's a whole other topic. But um, it, it seems to be kind of characteristic of, of Western westernized ideas. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, or did you want to add anything, Lee? Um, it's just I don't know. It's another one of those annoying situations where uh, the West thinks they have a great idea and felt that they needed to go and share it with the world and just end up breaking things. And then it goes back to your, why don't we just mind our own business, you know? <laughs> yeah, and again, um, the reason it can be justified uh, and, and, and you know, and, and a, a result sought after is because, again, it comes down to, you know, in that reading it said in the 50s or 60s, they were worried about terrorist groups rising up in, in the farmlands. It's like, again, they, there's an enemy that's targeted that what, you know, quote unquote enemy, whether they're, you know, maybe they're not innocent, but again, could be even worse. You know, the narrative is worse for them than what's actually going on. And so, um, you know, I think that's key because it ushered in this new capitalist, like way corporate control of the crops. Um, and, and just like kind of like a overwatch, you know, in, in general, like there's just this big eye in the sky that's watching them now. That's all of this corporate interest. So, um, you know, to, in, today, you know, fast forward, what is it now? 80 years from the sixties. So, it's kind of some of this is still going on and there's still ripple effects. So, um, you know, and it's, it's being seen through, I think. So there's a president, I don't know if he's, to be honest, I don't know India's got like political structure too well. It seems like super complicated and I'm, I'm kind of interested to learn more about it. Um, but it, it just seems like a very complicated web of, 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 different cogs in this political machine anyways um mr. like mr modi is there again i guess he's president or something he won an election to basically be the over you know the, the head honcho in india and he's he's now um actually trying to kind of get an authoritarian control over india it seems like and um again part of his, part of his you know crutch to to run this campaign and stuff is saying um, you know, there's, there's Islamist groups rising up. We need to fight against them. And, um, I don't know, he's, he's using that as kind of like an, his, you know, justification to drive his initiative. Um, you know, there's stuff going on to Muslims out there that are, that's pretty bad, well, really bad. It's horrendous. It's awful. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, he's just, he seems to be like getting a, you know, an iron grip over India or he's trying to. He's, he's starting to command and control, I guess, their army a bit more. He's getting more comfortable with their military and, and you know, uh, you know, directing them around, um, which I think seems to be stepping bounds in their political system. Uh, on top of that, he's been kind of censoring journalists. You know, I was reading about this one case, uh, Arnad Goswami. He was a prominent journalist, and I guess he got taken by, by authorities and india and put in jail and um you know basically i guess people were like hey you know as a journalist it's free speech he was accused of i don't even know what he was accused of exactly it's kind of unclear and you know he got accused of this but i guess he got out pretty quickly and everyone said oh it's like a you know that's a good day for freedom of speech he got out of jail but uh, you know this article was arguing that really it was the government testing their their power and and really, like, they got away with, you know, something bad. Um, this guy got out of, of jail after, I think it was like a week or two. And what's interesting that I was reading is that, you know, this is in a situation where India has, like, a huge backlog of prisoners. Um, I guess, according to this article I was reading in The Economist, it says, 
prison, uh, prisons in uh, in India hold twice as many inmates awaiting trial, some 330,000 people as they do uh, convicts. So they have, you know, twice the amount of people waiting to go on trial, and that amounts to about 330,000 people. That's crazy. Uh, that's ridiculous. I wonder how bad ours is here. Because they're pretty, they're pretty slow about that stuff, too. <laughs> Yeah, what were you calling it earlier before we logged on here? What? The, you said it's like the prison... Uh, oh, the, the prison industrial complex. Hey, there you go. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. It is. It's a new invention. There's many industrial complexes. We'll cover them all at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it's a new thing at this point. It seems pretty antiquated but and abused. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's also, I guess, um, uh, Mr. Modi is, uh, kind of like taking away power from his adversaries as he's gaining, you know, full, full, full stack of control. Um, something he's doing is, uh, he's allowing, let me see, this is an amendment made last year to, uh, to the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, UAPA, a draconian law from 1967 that allows states to label and then ban groups as terrorists, now empowers the government to designate any individual as terrorists. So, he's, again, he's really running on this like notion that there's terrorists in the countries. But then at the same time, what's, what, I, what was really weird and doesn't match up with, with that narrative that I was reading is that I guess, um, you know, he's he's allowing other countries to take land at the same time that he's saying they're like terrorist groups attacking internally. So he's like all about controlling the land and everything. And, um, if it's in his interest, but then there's a situation, I guess, where, um, let's see, there's a situation where there were, there was photographs that got posted, um, that showed Chinese forces were occupying like strategic posts, uh, in part of India's territory. Um, and he he didn't mention anything of it. And like, he got the soldiers to basically like comply and not say anything about this. So the idea is that he's like giving bits of land away to China. I don't know much about it, but that's, that's something I came across. I thought that was interesting. Cause at the same time, he's like trying to gain full control of what he has internally by like snuffing out these quote unquote, like terrorist, like Marxist groups, you know? Um, it's kind of weird, but my buddy was saying like he's kind of, that this guy is kind of like the Trump of like India, and it kind of sounds like you know just from what you see in both sides of like or both in media, they're trying to paint sort of the same picture. But I guess this dude Modi won by like a ton of votes, like it was like a landslide election that he won. So I don't know. So if he's, it's strange that he would be giving land to China. If he's not getting something in return, so do you think China's giving exactly. money? Do you think China's blackmailing? Or do you think China um, will dominate the world and he thinks that he can join them like uh, Saruman joining Sauron? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly tend to lean towards that narrative more than anything when it comes to like people succumbing to China. I, hmm. I think that they have so much leverage that... Um, They'll threaten their financial systems or threaten hacking. Who knows? I don't know. But I think people are more afraid of like, yeah, what could China do to us because they're such a behemoth? And like, how do we kind of cozy up with them so that we 
don't get hit as hard as we would if we resisted and they took over. That, to me, seems to be the narrative. I mean, it's a bit, it's it's definitely, it's insensitive for sure, because especially if you only see what's in the media about China, like a lot of it's bad. And and that's not, I I don't know. I think it's, and I mean, even with our Uyghur episode, like, you know, that's awful stuff. But like, you could argue any country's doing awful stuff. So it's like really you know, again, it does it, is this coming down to propaganda? Like, who knows? Maybe uh, Mr. Modi's just off his rockers. I don't know why he's doing this, but it would seem to me like, yeah, he's he's kind of worried about the power China has, and he wants to make sure he's kind of like one of their, you know, uh, one of their uh, adversaries. He's on their good side, more yeah. or less. It's so confusing. Like, I am convinced that everything we think we know about the news and what's going on is 100% like it's just a show and there's like a background like shadow government activity going on that like we have no idea about like that's yeah it's it sounds crazy like when you say like shadow government but like I'm just like people pulling strings that have nothing to do with that aren't these actual figures that we see in the news you know and I, I think it's happening on a global scale and we're just we're never gonna know the truth at this point <laughs> and i think that's it's supposed to be that way uh, yeah i mean you know i think okay and, and this is a kind of this is more or less an opinion formed from you know a book that we reviewed manufacturing consent um you know with, with that book they say um how, how did they phrase it they said something along the lines of like in explaining, um, you know, the, the full grasp that like politics and business has on media, we should definitely be skeptical. And I'm paraphrasing here. Like we should definitely be skeptical. And like a lot of it is fat. It's, it's all fabricated. It's all been put through five different filters. You know what I mean? And so that being said, they're like, you can't deny like, and, and just outright reject it as like false because like you kind of, I guess they're almost suggesting like you have to read between the lines. And I mean, I guess to your point, if if the media knows that that is the general population's opinion of the media, that like, oh, they'll give us a little bit um, and you just have to read through it, then like they could weaponize that too. And they could be, you know, the idea of them being a step ahead of us, like they might know that we think there's at least a little truth. And so they're playing on that. And there could be like a whole, you know, thing cooking up in the background that has nothing to do with what the, you know, the narrative is. And I think that's true in a lot of cases. I think stuff's just left out on purpose but i think if you if you dig through media and and also look at articles and whatnot uh it seems to me like you can kind of get something that's more or less the truth it's it's it just it takes so much effort like there's people that do it that actually read through all the news and then connect the dots and read between the lines to give you what's actually going on. But like the average person's not going to do that. And really the people that do do that are not going to, they're going to be censored. Surely. For sure. And I think, you know, again, I, you know, censorship, I think is, a, is the most sensitive topic to me because I think it's really, it's obviously been a thing, but I think the power and control that, um, you know, the, the people pulling the strings like have, on censorship now it's it's a lot more um it's on a lot more granular level so i think it's very dangerous because yeah it just is i mean you know it's it's right in our face it's on our it's in our phone it you know it's not a novel idea so 
again, could be very weaponized and has been weaponized. So, you know, I think you just got to, you know, also talking to people who might understand the culture better, like who might be from there or something that also helps. All right. So do you want to talk at all about um, the farmers? And we've we've gone after the the political elite and the government here, but uh, I didn't know if you wanted to dive in a little bit on the plight of the farmers. Um, you know, I been uh, researching this and just doing my readings. It was it was kind of scattered, so I don't know the min, you know minute details. I just know you know the general story and kind of what's happening is uh, you know what I explained. So if yeah, if you want to add in on it, go for it. Um. I was just going to say, like, being a farmer in this day and age sucks. Like, I would never want to be a farmer in any country. Like, it's 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 just terrible, right? Well, I don't, why, I don't know why you say that. I don't – are you talking about profiting? Yeah. Or are you talking about, like, the actual labor behind it? Both of the it. labor like, to me the, sounds pretty fulfilling. I don't know, man. I, I don't think the labor part of it sounds too bad, especially with, like – technology that you can use as an extension of your labor rather like and and that's not to say like you know if we're you know if we eventually got to a point where it's just everything's hydroponic it's everything's grown from cells and all this stuff um i don't like that direction and i think the the more you take a farmer away from their land the more you're going towards a lab grown setting for all your food no, and I'm not downplaying the importance of the farmer. I'm just saying the. It, well, so I'm saying it, with that notion, as a, if I was a farmer, honestly, even without that notion, I think being a farmer would be kind of fun, dude. Like, I don't know if you if it just seems like it'd be very fulfilling. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're making something from the raw, uh, the raw um, distribution of many different products. I, I think I think it's I just think it's. I think it's amazing. I think it's crazy, but I, I get what you're saying. It's not like you're sitting at. It's not relaxing, and it's not like. There's a lot. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress involved, and that's in all the stories that I looked up. Like the main headline was just the the rate of farmer suicides is insane because they get into debt so far. So like, I can set up like a scenario that's probably happened to many farmers like we all assume like everybody's like perfectly efficient they've got all the right equipment all the the right stuff and some do but some don't um and you you spend all your money buying equipment getting labor to plant it all run all the machines grow it water it etc and then you could have like just like a bad weather season like that's something you can't control and then you are screwed right then and there like you spent all that money and you will have no return on it that's like a worst case scenario like the crop doesn't come through you're you're done it washes out your whole field okay yeah but so sorry i didn't are you if you want to keep going yeah, it's gonna give like a and then like another more like a, a reasonable one maybe is like you spend all this money building this crop and then there's too much of it like in the market and then the price goes way down and then you're at a loss again like it's it there's so many there's so many variables that it's nothing's guaranteed when you're a farmer and i think that's the that's what's so stressful about it like that like too. for instance did you know bananas like i think probably 15 years ago 
the bananas people ate were like completely different tasting than the ones we have now. Like they, they tasted uh, kind of better in a way. And so do <laughs> we can do a short, like a weekday short of, on this, like banana bananas. Republics, but <laughs> yeah, bananas and banana republics. But what I'm trying to say is like, it's known, it's like cyclical that like this, this fungus or disease will get into banana trees and it wipes out an entire species of bananas. Um, and the cycle might be like 30 years. I'm kind of making these numbers up, but it's like 30 years or something. And then pretty much that crop goes extinct, like that specific species. So like there's people, they're like getting ready for the next like banana species that they're going to have to grow. Cause this fungus is like really bad right now with bananas. Anyways, that's a side note, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I get what you're saying is so, so my thought is, and this is kind of, I mean, this is a little radical, uh, you know, um, but anyway, but, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, to me, it would it would seem like a farmer, you know, the people that are feeding the land and making all these products available, uh, again, from like the raw nature of it, the, it seems to me like they should be getting paid a lot more. Um, I know there's, you know, government subsidies and, and su- stuff like that, but obviously that, that doesn't always work out how it's advertised. And so what, what I'm trying to say is like, it would seem to me like those people that are feeding the whole world... Um, they don't, they don't get paid enough or something. And, and that, and, and that's why I think a lot of people do have trouble as farmers is because, uh, and, and again, and, and I would even argue take it a step further and say that when like in this, you know, kind of like in military industrial complex mindset and like capitalists trying to hold on to all their power, um, it would make sense for them to want to divide and break up the labor force that's creating food. Um, to me, it seems like, you know, capitalists, like, and the elitists of the capitalist system, they, they want to remove labor power as much as possible. That's one of, you know, the main forces of capitalism is labor. So capitalists, since they have more concentrated resources, they can, you know, kind of push their agenda and, and dig in with their interests using their capital resources. And in doing so, I feel like they, they kind of, uh, attempt to split labor, uh, make it less important in a way. And so, you know, that's where then you, this could lead to another argument of like, okay, well then, you know, farmers aren't uh, getting paid as much anymore because like people invented technology that kind of automated those tasks. It's like, yeah, I get that, but again, we're, I mean, then then that's like a paradigm shift, and then we start putting more money into technology development. So I don't know. There's like a bunch of arguments to be had there. I don't even know where I was going with this, but I was kind of rambling. Yeah, farming's a weird thing. And generally, like, I'm pretty against any sort of subsidy of any sort. But the problem with farming is um, we need farmers. <laughs> no, exactly. You, you can't, so it's not to, like, something. Hydroponic, lab-grown, yeah, what's up? You can't afford to, to <laughs> you can't afford to, like, all the farmers are just like, okay, there's no money in this, I'm out, goodbye, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's, to some extent, market forces would you know, um, drive up interest in that sector. If, um, if there was nobody there, then, then farmers would be rich, but like, um, I don't know. It's in, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, I don't know if we can ever get to a point where our technology is so good. We have no issue. Like there's a lot of stuff to farming. That's not, it's not hard science. It's just knowledge and experience. No, exactly. And, and even with the tactics that they're doing in India, it's, it's companies like, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting any blame on this company because I don't know enough to say that this is a company doing it, but I would assume Monsanto would be involved, where they're 
And again, it ties into the military industrial complex and just the interest that the powers that be have. It's like Monsanto's just backed by so much money. I'm sure they've got so they back so many campaigns and all this stuff. So for them to say, hey, play on, t- on the idea that there's terrorism in your country and we don't want like an upheaval of terrorism. Um, but, like, how does that even fit in? It's like it's like a- as a solution, we will give you GMO crops so that like you have higher yield and you don't have to rely on the farmer anymore. I think that's the, the thought behind it. I really don't yeah. know. But to me, it's like what like, you know, like you said, it's like to an extent market forces like you know, the invisible hand will play it out. But like when you have intervention like that, that's kind of not natural or organic. It's like, well, that just throws That just takes the invisible hand out of the idea or out of the question. They're like manipulating markets at that point. That's the pro. I think that's the problem with just modern stuff is you either have to fully rely on the invisible hand or not. And we've got this, the stupid, like, (laughs) Like, I don't even know what to call it. It's just like, uh, we we trust it to some extent, but also we're going to try and fix it. And then they just end up breaking things. Like, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. It just makes a mess. Um, I mean, there's also like, there's futures trading too that kind of helps farmers. I don't know if you know anything about that. What did you say? Futures, futures trading. Oh, with, oh, with like commodities when they yeah, uh, they like set a price in the future. Yeah, so it's like and they try and make it like the the share or the it's like, like the yeah, it's like the it. like, yeah, it's like the stock market of crops. You, you've got people that are willing to gamble as well. <laughs> That's the big problem is it's all gambling. That says, hey, I think you're gonna do it's gonna sell great this year so i am willing to give you a higher price guaranteed and you know that puts the farmer at ease and then comes through farmer's good but the the investor could be you know screwed or not but they probably have more capital to 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 suffer those losses versus the farmer who um the way it sounds like you know you have one like one bad or two bad seasons you're in crippling debt and then they're just killing themselves like that's terrible Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, it's like super sad. Um, and that's like, I feel like that's, those are the stories, like, you don't hear, you don't hear about that. I, you know, I didn't hear about that. It's, oh, it's that's like everything I looked sense. at. It's, yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, Damn, dude. So, I mean, you know, again, it's like, well, who's to blame? Um, if you ask me, it's obviously politicians and big, big business interests, like, Again, if these companies are going to politicians in India from from America saying, hey, <laughs> like, we'll give you a ton of money, the dude's going to be like, well, yeah, but that looks bad because now I'm taking money from you. He's like, well, just say it's terrorists. Like, that'll, <laughs> that'll, that, just do that, dude. It's turned into like the band aid, you know, the, the duct tape of, <laughs> of propaganda, bro. <laughs> like, it just, put, just say it's terrorism and it fixes it. Like, it'll uh, let your motives go through i feel like our entire global system i think all of our systems in general are duct tape solutions covering duct tape solutions covering duct tape solutions and at some point it's all gonna collapse (laughs) it has to that gasket's gonna bust the hose is gonna start leaking like it's not yeah yeah man it's just weird this so it's like it's all weird man this stuff blows my mind um, it's a... I, <laughs> uh, never mind. like I, yeah, 
It's like, dude, one corporation, two corporations come in and they change the whole landscape, no pun intended, but like they change the whole landscape of agriculture and like how it's, how it's done, how it's run. And then dude, you're almost asking all these farmers that all they know is farming day in, day out and they're working their ass off. You're just telling them to like shift their mindset completely. Like, okay, we got this new thing in, like there's GMOs, there's this, there's that. It's like, and like what you know, like what I read, the, the, they're saying that a lot of these GMOs and like genome manipulated crops uh, with with IP backing them, <laughs> like they're saying that these things are like causing like cancer, diabetes. Um, I, I guess the, the numbers in India are going up. You know, they're starting to see like more health, in, uh, you know, side effects or starting to see health problems like akin to American health problems and the numbers are just rapidly increasing. So, you know, it, it just, it reminds me of like, you know, those pictures you'll see like a GMO tomato or something like this. And it's like this perfectly plump, nice looking thing. And then they'll show like the crop that didn't make it to the, to the shelf. And it's like, looks disgusting, but it's probably healthier for you because it's not yeah. GMOs, you know? And it's like, that to me is a symbolism of capitalism. Like you have this GMO tomato that looks super nice, plump, shiny, and then you get into it and there's cancer in it. <laughs> it's capitalism, bro. I don't know. Oh, man. I mean, it's just, again, I think it comes back to the not looking at long-term consequences. Like, it's just, I don't know. We don't, <laughs> I'd be curious to see how much of, because we make a shit ton more crops nowadays because of these gmos but how much of them get thrown away anyway you know or wasted and then you have parts of the world that are starving to death like how like yemen okay like we have america has too much food and now we're blockading food from them make bro that's that's dude that's torture it's awful so you know again I feel like it's the devil. The devil's in the details. You see crop flow on a map. You see weaponry flow on a map. It all makes sense. Like, there's a few countries that have in- interests that they want, you know, met, and they're willing to sacrifice people and the labor force. They're all just numbers to them. In fact, they're probably problems to them. So, trying to knock that impediment out of out of their way. Yeah, we got to be strong. You know, and that's people. what I was. If it's I think I said this in a, a previous episode is the good part about like this system we have is we actually can make a difference pretty easily. It's just we all have to do it together. Like just imagine what would happen if we like everybody just decided, you know, I don't need a cell phone. Like what would oh, that man. do? I think about that a lot. So, because like there's days where I'm like, man, I wish cell phones weren't a thing. And that's my next thought is like the only way for it not to be a thing is for people to stop putting money there and like buying it. And <laughs> I'm like, that so be yeah. So that's wild. you know, I, I'm still trying to in my free time just think about you know the systems we have in place and like what identify problems and maybe kind of come up with like a you know what should we be doing you know it, a solution no that's a good point yeah, it's go. the problem right now and it's i think we kind of criticized um like how politicians are in bed with corporations and how that's causing issues but at the same time like our insane like materialistic uh consumerist 
um, lifestyle that we live like in this country is driving like it too because yeah. and I, I said this before like corporations cannot take your money like you are giving it to them or you're coming up with an excuse of why you need to give it to them that, that's the that's another part of the issue so let's not push all the blame on the other people it's on us as well i agree but um no i agree but again going back to what i was saying before is like and this is exactly what you're just arguing against but i would just plain devil's advocate <laughs> i would say a lot of times like capitalists like elites are, are smart in this in that they know again they work with legislators so they know how to set up a structure that hits the masses and makes them I mean, you could argue reliant on it. So, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you can say, like, we we can do I, – I, I agree. We can all do something, to you know, better every day to – and as a collective, it'll add up. But what I'm also trying to say is, like, there are these systems and structures that are put in place against our behest that we just cannot – See, but you know, we'll that's, go to jail that, for it. So, like, that's what you have to keep in check is, like, wait, what are we allowed to do? Go like, to jail for, like – what do you mean? Like, what would be something that we would go to jail for? Well, for instance, journalists, you know, uh, like Assange and, and Snowden, like they came out and said stuff. No, I, I mean, that's that's more like information. Like, I was just kind of talking about just general like action consumer. I mean, just consumerism and materialism. OK, OK. Uh, um, strictly from that front. Like, I understand what you're saying. Okay, I like, okay, on like the, at that here's level. Here's a good example. Credit. Credit. Okay, we have credit, so like, you you need good credit for a lot of different things. It's Do you? kind of not really. I mean, you. That's the thing. That's why. That's why I threw in cash, like. I not, but, see, that's what I was saying. That's why I threw in that we come up with excuses as to why we need it. Right? We're like, no, no, no. Like, we need. We need credit. No, you don't. We you have need... credit. Like we live with credit. So like, so I guess you can either just never you know, invest in like education or get a credit card or, um, you know, take out a loan for like a car or something like that. Like, yeah, that's possible. But what I'm saying is like the, the, like the system is stacked against that sort of sentiment. Oh yeah. No, they don't want you to do that. Yes. But so, so like you need to make money, you need a job to make money. So like, you know, if, you know, a lot of times you have to drive to go get to go to a job that will support what you want or need. Um, okay, you need a car. If you if you don't have a job prior to that, two, you're not for money, you need to go alone. Okay, two, well, you're automatically system. Two, have a certain lifestyle that they've also told you you need to have. That's... So, I mean, it's... Well, okay, but here's the thing. So, with tying into this agriculture idea, what if, you know, from a conspiratorial mindset... I'm not saying this is true. I'm just, I'm just making this off the cuff. I love conspiracies. What if, yeah, there you go. Okay, what if that's part of the ploy of the GMOs and all that stuff is like and corporations getting involved in agriculture? Because once you take away food growth from someone to where they literally cannot hunt and gather, then you do force a sort of lifestyle on them. Um, that, that is a dangerous front, yes. And so, one... so you find all the lush areas, you put your GMO, your genome, your IP into that field, you can automatically fence it off. It's illegal to go take the food from that land if you see it growing. It's trespassing. It's theft. It's a lot of different things. Then you get thrown into jail, which is a system that we created. So it's all. It, it kind of. But what? From a more conspiratorial standpoint, what if all that crop, all the land that's fruit, um, fruitful, 
does get bought up by corporate interest. And then you literally can't grow food in the mountains. Okay, yeah, okay, maybe you can go fish. Well, they're damming all the salmon runs off. Can't get fish anymore. Like, there's all these structures put into place to start cutting that shit off. And I get it. It's not impossible, but it's But so I think my point is it's getting closer and closer to impossible. Like, this would have been way easier to do, you know, 50 years ago. Just to be like, oh, yeah. you know what, you know, I'm good. I'm just kind of, kind of go over here and kind of do my thing, and I don't need a lavish lifestyle. It's fine. It's getting harder and harder. So, like, I don't know. I, I try to argue against the mindset of, oh, it's impossible. Why even bother? You know, because then you're just kind of giving in. And I'm not saying pull, like, go full on Amish either. I'm saying, you know, make make cuts in areas where you don't need stuff. Like, you know, you don't need all these streaming services. Like, screw that. Like. That stuff's not helping you in any way, and it's just no, driving. Stay on those so that you can listen to us. <laughs> you need us. Except us. Except us. You're right. You're right. We, we tell the truth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, get rid of. Get rid of. I, I get what you're saying. Minimize. Keep going though. So, like, there's so many areas that, in it, like, there's so many facets to it, and and that's part of the. It's part of the like. It's so weird. Like when we, like I feel there's like so much rage from like the lower class against like the rich, but like you don't need to be rich. Like and if we all just start doing our own thing, let them like eat themselves up there. You know, just it. I'm having trouble trying to explain what <laughs> what's going on in but, my but mind it's at so this moment. Hard there are these forces. I, so that's where I'm, I, I I don't know if this is gonna help help you get your next thought out or if i'm interrupting if i'm interrupting tell me to stop so you can keep going but are you <laughs> go ahead because you, you just seem to be struggling so here's the thing there again there's like labor there's ownership of of capital like capital has, is not a new thing like people used to own plows and horses and then it like you said like it's been inching towards a more like controlled environment but i would say like we're, we're we're damn near close to a system where anywhere you go, there's a sort of grasp on, on the land. And when it comes down to land, like when you're talking about like living a lifestyle that's contrary to what we're being told, I'm all automatically just going to the extreme and assuming like I'm living in a stick hut that I built next to a river. You know, there's water there that I can boil. There's trees around so I can burn, you know, firewood to boil the water. Uh, there's possibly fish in there what i'm trying to say is like you know the corporate interest is a lot of times polluting that stuff so it's like it reminds me of futurama you know in the sewers where some of the people live they're all mutated so it's like yeah you could live contrary to that but like it's very detrimental because if you decide that you don't you know want a job and all this stuff then like you have to live off the land resources that are just around is becoming more and more scarce um so I, i don't know um, and, and labor it, force is just becoming weaker, so we can't even like. I don't know. I don't know. What, now I'm getting lost for words, so I'll let you take over. Again. It's complicated, and also jump back into conspiracy mode real quick. I always kind of wondered why there's like this drive to get people to all live in the same place, like in major cities and stuff. And I'll tell you what it is. Go ahead. It's probably probably what I'm thinking. It's again, it's, it's, it's that idea of separating people from the land. Yeah. You put exactly. them all in concrete 
you you take all i'm telling you man it's like strategic how they do it like you think california california's not hospitable like as in many ways but i'm talking about like as far as being able to survive off the land it was all sand and dry air and desert and stuff like that i mean yeah there, there's some areas but like the whole coast like dude all those trees those palm trees i think like 90 per, again i'm just throwing numbers other but like 90 percent of them are imported they're not even naturally grown there so what I think it's like that gives yet another excuse for a corporate to come in and be like, ah, I need to start growing trees so I can import and export them to California. So it's like what was happened is like I think naturally people first started by, you know, possibly the ocean stuff in smaller groups because there was fish in the water and all this stuff. Then it started like it, it grew into less living off the land and more into people trading. And then money came into the picture. I mean, money's pretty new. So, like, then there was this, like, tenure that you could, you know, pass around, and it meant something. Um, and then I think out of that, you know, natural resources that people were originally living off of wasn't as important to them. They were just getting more disconnected from the land, and that was in capitalist interest because they would want that land so that they can make the products that people buy. And then surely but slowly, it's, uh, it's grown into, yeah, like, city life. We're all, con- you know, confined to the city, far away from any land that's hospitable, um, that you could just live off of, and uh, all that land is owned by corporate interest. You know, anything that's worth something. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I am not satisfied with any system that's pre- been presented. You know, so in in capitalist, it's basically corporations own a lot of the land. Um, in socialist or like communist, it's government owns most of the land. So what what's it called when people own land that they can manage at a reasonable level <laughs> what is that because that's kind of what do you mean exactly like something that bears fruit or are you talking about like ownership of land just to live on no it's just like i don't i'm sure back in the day and maybe it's just because population's getting up there in like globally but like back in the day it was just like yeah this is kind of my land here i kind of fenced it off but like it didn't really mean much because there's nobody nearby it's just you know this, this is my land. Well, then people started realizing, oh, if I dig down on this plot of land, there's oil that comes out. And then they're like, ooh, uh, my plot of land has oil. I'm going to start selling this because they're starting to use it with like machines and, and blah, blah, blah. And then that land became important. That person got rich off that land. Possibly there was war, war over it, people fighting, you know, even if it was just locally. And then that family that had the oil and ended up with that land of oil became super rich, like Rockefeller or something. You know, it probably stemmed off into something like Rockefeller who owned, um, you know, gas companies. And then that's then he heard of capitalism and he's like, that sounds like I could use that for my advantage. So here's Boom. what I'm <laughs> deriving from this conversation. People are evil. Therefore, we will never have a good system. The end. I don't know, man. That's, that's pretty <laughs> bad. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Everyone just lived in local communities, and there were barriers around each community, and they were self-sufficient bubbles. That would work. <laughs> that's what would work. I think that's the only way. If you, if everyone knew their immediate vicinity, they knew the people by name, they grew their own crops, they lived their own lives, like. But then you can get, I don't know, that could lead to a bunch of problems too. So Funny, <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. All the people that have tried to do that um, 
I would say the government has uh, squashed that as fast as possible. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if you just think of all the... The big names, that the, the things that really jump out to my mind is, or I guess the one place, maybe. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones, but what is the the Branch Davidians? Is that what it was uh, in Waco? Waco, was, Texas? Yeah. You remember that? <clears throat> You're going to have to enlighten me here. Oh, well. Uh, in Waco, Texas, there was a group of people called the Branch Davidians. It, it was semi kind of like culty, religious-y. And again, so conspiracy had on that could have just been a propaganda from our from our government showing how terrible these people were. But it was basically they bought some land, they built some housing and were basically self-sufficient living there. They had also purchased like some firearms for their protection. And that was like the red flag for the U.S. government. And that was their justification for going in. And basically they burned the whole place down and a bunch of innocent people died. Um, yeah, dude, I'm looking at pictures right now. This looks terrible. For essentially no reason. Uh, the only reasons they gave is that one, oh, they have a bunch of weapons, which is like, okay, that's not illegal. Um, and then there were rumors of like child abuse, which is in the public's eye, of course, that would be the perfect thing that you would say. Um, and then the politicians do it anyway, so. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, yeah, basically the they went. People that are pointing the finger are doing it themselves. It's all. They went in there and took them out. And it, it was, all it was was just a group of people trying to be self-sufficient and not dependent on the systems that we're, that we're criticizing here. So, um, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm sure there's groups that did bad things, but. Some right. of them, that's some what of them I was to how much like, of it's propaganda and how much of it's true, you know? Exactly. And so that's, again, I mean, it ties back into what we were talking about earlier with India. Like these farmers that they're saying are terrorist groups, maybe it was something like that where they were like, no, we're just trying to live off this land. Like we're just feeding ourselves. And then, you know, Mr. Modi or somebody didn't like it. And they're like, okay, well, then let me come up with a plot against that uh, terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the same narrative, dude. That's why it turns out to be hard to believe. And it's almost like the boy who cried wolf situation, you know? Um, it's like if you just keep hearing these stories over and over, it's like, dude, is this actually going on? Like, are people this hellbent against, like, humanity? That they, I don't know. It, I feel like it takes, it takes a lot, you know, to get to that point. And then to have a structured group that's, like, sole mission is just to attack people... I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking to myself today, you know, I used to make fun of anarchists, but they're starting to make a little more sense these days. <laughs> yeah, but then you can't, you know, you can weaponize. Then, yeah, it can be, again, to your point, nothing's perfect. That structure can get taken over or... There can be provocateurs that infiltrate. It can go a million different directions wrong. So, yeah. Then we're back to the, you know, people are evil, therefore we can't have anything nice. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's like, that's like black pill mentality, and I don't like that, but I'm just, just saying. Um, but yeah. So, strikes in India, a ton of people, I say, uh, good for them, I think. 
Um, I, I say hell yeah, dude. They're showing, I think they're showing the world how to, you know, come together as the labor force and really speak out against things, things that aren't going their way. Like, I think it's uh, very salt of the earth, very good stuff, you know? And I think that's, I don't know. I had a thought, but then I didn't know what I wanted to. Now I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, man. So, I'm something along the lines of like, you know, we, we can apply that to multiple aspects of our life and, and like back to like our, our consumerism thing. I'm not saying go full on Amish. Amish. I'm just saying, you know, we can starve the beast slowly by just slowly cutting back on things that we really don't need um, and work our way towards that. Um, and then also, you know, maybe make sure, you know, you're, you're getting, I don't know, uh, I, I say fair wages, make sure you're getting paid what you think you're, you're worth. And I'm not saying like demand wages, but like, I don't know, that's a whole nother topic. Never. No, I like it. Cause I was just saying, like it's like I don't, I don't like demanding that you be paid and that government setting laws that you be paid a certain amount. I I think that I don't know because you know like at any job you've worked, like even like back in the day, like when I was working fast food and stuff, it's like there's people that make more than you that do less than you, you know. And to me, that's, I think that's the biggest political, problem. Political game. I, I don't think it's politics a, get involved in everything. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know. And I don't know, maybe even like employers. It, it, and make sure you're paying the good people the good money and paying the bad people the bad money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just see, the way I see it, though, is, you know, as soon as, you're worth 128 billion dollars. There's definitely some money that can go around. Oh, that's a whole. I, I think we that is on my topic list of like how much is enough, and then also like why do people chase more? You know, I mean, amount. it's just weird. But yeah, we'll we'll do that one eventually. So, um, we're at I don't know almost an hour. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm good. <laughs> Hmm. But yeah, that's that's kind of that should be really scary for India. Um, <laughs> the, the source hey, of food in your country man. is not working anymore. <laughs> I, I would think that they're the they could get the um, get results the quickest. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, though. especially they got it. You know, in mass, to, just total huge amount of people. So keep keep fighting out there, man. But yeah. That's India and their strikes, and then all of our tangents about all the systems that are driving us nuts on a daily basis. Um, I don't know if we've improved anything, but someday we'll figure it out here first, and then we'll let you guys know. And then we will be yeah. supreme rulers, and you'll and give us all the power. <laughs> yeah, probably within a month. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, but yeah, if you guys got any interest or any... I don't know any comments about the topic today. You know, let me know if you think Mr. Modi is good, bad, misunderstood. Let me know. Um, you know, email to dybpodcast at gmail.com. Lee, I think I cut you off again. You got any final thoughts? 
no final thoughts i'm good all right man. stay Let's safe everybody, everybody. Mm-hmm. don't forget to wear your mask mm-hmm.